tell you this episode's going to be a tough one i i want to put out there before we get into any of what we're going to go over um that this is going to be a tough podcast to listen to for some people i know it's going to be a tough one for me to do and if you um are triggered by hearing about um sexual assault uh and and violent crime towards women you you may want to not um Listen to this podcast. There, there, there may be some triggering um, descriptions, um, and this is this is a podcast that is, is I've been wanting to do for a while, um, and just the time hasn't been right. It involves a full for full transparency. It involves a friend of mine who I have known since high school. Um, her family and my family were were. Uh, pretty close growing up in, in the high school years. Um, uh, a member of her family actually worked at our family business. And um, this is someone I knew from high school. We went to class together. Uh, we had the same friends. We dated for a while in high school. And, you know, we've stayed in contact since since that time back in the, um, the early 90s. And uh, we both graduated 92. And, um, so this is, this is a story of, of addiction and homelessness and trying to regain your life, but also what happens when someone who is, um, experiencing homelessness, especially as a woman, um, what happens when say you are drugged and kidnapped and raped and try to report that to and this happened in the uh, during the summer, late summer, early fall of 2019. And um, I got a call back during that time period from my friend. We're just going to call her Kay. Um, I want to protect her identity as best I can. But uh, Kay, Kay reached out to me. We we had been talking a little bit. Um, you know, she had. She had lived up in Estes for a while. Her family, parts of her family were still here in Estes Park. And she she called me and, and just told me about this nightmare experience she had just been through where she had been drugged while at a, a Starbucks in downtown Denver, kind of close to the, and this ties into the kind of the, the homeless communities uh, around Union Station, which is a very, very high crime rate area and um she had been drugged and she's missing about 18 hours of her her memory and uh she woke up and uh woke up in a hospital actually and uh there were police there at the hospital when she woke up and i'm rather than me tell the story 
I ran into I met up with her yesterday. She's she's been working on getting her life back together. And um she uh she was given a car by uh one of her family members yesterday and she she just didn't have the money to um get the registration and the temporary plates done. So I I went and met her down in the valley and um and uh paid for that so that she would have a place to be safe that wasn't on the streets. Um, she's waiting to get into a, a program, um, but that's not going to be until June. And, and it's the world, especially the world of Denver these days, is, a, is not a safe place for people experiencing homelessness. So I helped her out, and, and we had talked about this before, because again, the day after it all happened, I, I, I went down and picked her up and, and took her back to Estes. Me and my family took care of her as best we could for a night after she'd been discharged from the hospital. Just wanted to give her a safe place. And then she had to go back down to Denver and had things she had to do. So I drove her back down. But so I, and, and from my experience, I've got to say that I believe her story. I believe what happened. I believe I, we saw the evidence of this, this horrific event happening to her firsthand as witnesses, um, the after effects anyway. And, um, so let's just, and I, we had talked about putting this story out there, but we wanted to wait a bit. And, um, you know, I was talking with her yesterday. It just seemed the time was right. And, and for those of you who know, read my, my supernatural, um, fiction work. I oftentimes will take, well, every time I take a, a social issue that has a grain of truth, you know, something that's happening in our communities. And I, I weave this fantastical kind of supernatural mystery around it, around that one seed of truth, hoping to to grow conversations later on. And the second full length novel that I've been working on about 12 chapters in now, I had to put it on pause because of the, the, um, the Oath Keepers book, you know, we got the contract signed and the timings, it's just a perfect storm to, to put that out and the, the, the timings all coming together. So I had to put that project on pause, but it's something I'll be coming back to. But I actually fictionalized what happened to her in the beginning of this story to, to spur conversations. And I've done this before. I did this with the Colorado's Chance of Firewalker. And that, that revolves around an incident that happened with J1 visa workers during the the first day of lockdown when the governor um, issued the safer at home orders and um, wove a whole story around that and what had happened to the J-1 visa workers. And of course, you know, it's a fantastical story. And part of the reason I do this is because a lot of the times, some of the powers that be, the the businesses and whatnot, that that I may be calling out to a certain extent about how they're, they're either treating people, employees specifically, uh, whatnot. Um, they oftentimes will use litigation to try to silence. And so by creating a fully fictional story with, you know, the ghosts of Hunter S. Thompson and, um, you know, a fire gin and, and, um, you know, ritualized temple magic, um, a lot of times you're able to tell a lot more truth with a fiction story or at least spur conversation. I mean, it's not like I'm telling the actual story. I'm using a seed of truth. So this is one of those things. And so I ran into, again, we're going to call her Kay, ran into Kay, didn't run into her, went and met her. And um, after we got everything done, I asked her if it would be okay if we we finally did that interview, because I think this is an important topic. And I got to tell you, I, I don't know 
Well, before I get into my thoughts on things, let's just let's hear from Kay. I want you to hear Kay's story in her own words and listen for yourself and and you know, again this is a this is a hard story to listen to. Um before we do that, I just want to take just a quick moment to um to thank our sponsors, our podcast sponsors, the the Historic Park Theater and the Real Mountain Theater here in Estes Park, Colorado. Next time you're up here, you're looking for something to do, you know, the whole town kind of rolls up except for a couple of the bars at about 8 p.m. And uh, this is you know, the, the movies are beginning to shift over to summer hours, so there'll be later showing. So when you're up visiting Estes Park or you live here year round, like it's just a great, great thing to do while you're in town, especially if you go check out a cool um, story movie at the historic, if you haven't been to the historic park theater, it really is an experience just to go there. Um, and man, there's new, uh, new film coming out this next weekend. I really want to go see it is. I, I want to see the Norseman, but the new, um, the reboot of Firestarter, Stephen King's Firestarter. And of course, Stephen King has a lot of ties into S's park because he wrote the shining, uh, in part anyway, at the, um, at the Stanley hotel and, and Stanley was, uh, largely inspirational to, uh, to his writing. So, uh, now that we have that out of the way, let's just jump into this interview. And again, I just, I wanted to give Kay a chance to, to tell her story in her own words. And, um, I'll let you decide what you think about it for yourself. Um, then we're going to go into some of the issues around homelessness in Denver. Um, I've also reached out to the, the public information officers, um, both with the Denver police department and the Adams County Sheriff's office. And, uh, so I got, uh, talked with them about their policies on, on, um, the report of, of rapes and sexual assaults, um, specifically asking about, you know, what, are there any different policies with homeless people, um, people experiencing homelessness. So uh, we'll, we'll get into that as well. But let's just start it off with uh, Kay telling of this horrific nightmare experience that she she experienced while in, in homeless, experiencing homelessness and, and just trying to survive. And, and I can tell you folks, day to day for Kay is, is a question of survival. That it's, it's, it's literally life becomes a fight or flight reaction. Um, and uh, so here we go. All right, folks, we're here with Kay, who's been a friend of mine since high school um, those days. And Kay brought a story to my attention that I've actually, my second fiction book I've started to write is wrapped around this, this story. Um, but Kay has been homeless for a while. Um, she's really had some hard times and, um, I want you to tell me a little bit about what happened with you with the Denver police department. Well, hello. Um, I experienced an attack in Denver proper. I was drugged and have memory loss of about 18 hours and was found by Denver Police Department 
and quickly got out of their uh, reach because when you're homeless, you don't really hang out around police. Anywho, um, after piecing together what had happened to me, I reestablished a connection with two separate Denver police departments and reported the initial attack and the and the rape that I experienced and the sodomization that I experienced and neither of those departments this was 10 days apart I reported it with rape kits from a hospital and the whole thing and was told that because I did not have a physical address that they couldn't move any further than just getting my name and they weren't even going to make any record of that that I had called them at all and the second incident or the second report that I tried to to follow through on there were police from the second department can you tell us which departments these were yes uh, the first one was Denver City Police and the second was Adams County Police Department and the second was that, time was that a sheriff's office Adams County yes okay. I was um, I, I, I now suffer from severe PTSD and was having a major episode at that time, unawares that I was suffering from that, just really acting not myself um, on top of the situation that I had, had been in to begin with. In any case, there were sheriffs in the room in the hospital just before my rape kit, my second rape kit was administered. And they still, I'm, they still would not, uh, they would not even write anything down that it had happened. And I was told basically, no, not basically, this is exactly what I was told on the phone from Denver City, whom they put me on the phone with from the hospital room where I was surrounded by Adams County sheriffs. They told me on the phone that because I didn't have a physical address, they couldn't possibly take it seriously because they weren't sure I was going to be reachable in the future to testify or even answer a phone call or discuss the situation or, you know, they said they had that was just nothing to go on and they I mean it was mortifying really it was almost seems like they didn't even see you as a human being no and honestly my I mean I hung up the phone and had a really nasty thing to say to every police officer or sorry sheriff's sheriff deputy in the room which was it's not pretty I said well if you're a rapist Go ahead and do it in Denver and do it to a homeless chick because you'll get away with it. And was proceeded to, and was 
treated really poorly after that by that police department, but I suppose, I mean, I was out of my gourd in any case. Well, I mean, that, that's not an excuse on your behalf. I mean, we're seeing more and more people become, you know, experience homelessness. And it's, it's not like, you know, I've known you your whole life. Yeah. You know, we grew up together. We, we've, we've shared lifetime together. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, you, you may have been in a rough path patch then and into yeah. the now a little bit, but, you know, you're working at getting your life back and you've had a very successful life before this period. You were, you had your own business. You yes. were, but uh, a, a, a district rep for a major, major uh, beauty company. I was a regional rep, actually. Regional rep. Yes. And, you know, it just, I, I, I remember you telling me this back when it happened. This happened how long ago? This was what? This was in 2020. Years? Uh, no, 2019, actually. Yeah, going two to three years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I knew that this was a story that needed to be told and that, you know, someday we'd be able to tell it. So finally now we're able to do that. So I want to just say thank you for for coming on and just being vulnerable and, and reliving some of that trauma to help spread the word of, of how, you know, a homeless woman is treated in Denver. Yeah, um, you're not safe in Denver if you're homeless. Do you mind if I read something? Sure. I carry this with me to remind me to talk about this. And to, to just let the, the listeners know, she just pulled out a, a Dayglow orange, um, <laughs> Uh, card that she's written on. Yeah. She's obviously had for a while. Yeah. Okay. You are not a victim for sharing your story. You are a survivor setting the world on fire with your truth. And you never know who needs your light, your warmth, and your raging courage. So I carry that with me because sometimes... There's shame attached to it for me, and I shouldn't have, I don't have any shame. I don't carry any shame, and this helps remind me why. Thanks, Jake. All right, thank you. All right, well, that's pretty emotional, emotionally jarring uh, interview there, and um, <clears throat> So I, I've reached out to the Denver Police Department's PIO and the um, Adams County Public Information Officer to see what I could find out, to see if there was, in fact, any record that was put in. Now, Denver really didn't give me much. And and to be honest with you, the I, as far as getting a core request, we're looking at, according to their website, they um, where you order your police records uh, for CORA requests. Um, they are stating that due to budget limitations and staffing reductions related to the COVID-19 pandemic, response times for identification section requests are taking longer than normal. Um, and, and sorry, same thing for the records unit. Request record units requests are taking longer than normal. Please expect a delay of ten to eleven weeks for requests from the records unit through this summer of twenty twenty one. Now I don't know if that's still the case. Um, the, I, the the PIO of Denver said did state that um, things were going to be delayed 
um, and trying to find and, and to be as specific as I can. So uh, I am going to be doing a, a Colorado Open Records act request. Um, it is going to cost some money. Um, you've got to do a, uh, you have to include a credit card with things when you're, when you're doing it. Um, and, uh, so, and, and he also stated that, um, with, with sexual assaults, um, they, they usually, um, they're, they're it's very limited information that they're gonna put out, but really all I'm trying to do is, is find a redacted version of that. So I've got, I've got that conversation. I'm just going to put it up there for you guys to listen to yourselves. Um, so you can see that I have been trying to at least hunt down where, if at all, there was any reports made to this. And um, the uh, the Adams County uh, PIO is actually a lot more informative. They were able to track down the, the uh, hospital room interaction that Kay described. And um, so let's just listen to those. And then we're going to talk a little bit about homelessness in Denver and um, kind of go from there. This is going to be a multi-part um, story because, um, you know, it's going to take a while to get those Quora releases and really kind of track down whether or not these reports were ever just not ever put into the system or if they were put into the system. There's also been at times huge delays with the processing. And this is not just in Denver and Colorado. This is across the country, but there's been a lot of issues with rape kits or they call them hold on here they've got a, a different acronym that they use and that is i have it written down here sane s-a-n-e reports is what they call it within the the uh, law enforcement systems um so there's been a huge backlog um, and I'm not quite sure where we are in Colorado with that type of backlog, specifically in Denver and Adams County. So, um, that could play into it. I'm going to try to see if we can, um, see if we can, uh, track down and see if those kits, those rape kits were then processed. So that may have something to do with this. Obviously the policies with the Denver police department and the, um, Adams County Sheriff's office is that any and all sexual assault gets reported and every every victim is is treated as if they are that they just they believe victims and that's coming from the PIOs but we know that there are rogue officers that uh, don't necessarily treat homeless people all that great in Denver there's there's been a history of violent clearings of homeless camps um just i think it was yesterday there was a, a city council meeting in Denver, and um, there were there were people that were um, there to to give public comment about uh, homelessness in Denver, and all but one city council member walked out, claiming that the crowd had become too unruly, and. Um, just left for an hour and a half until everyone cleared out and then resumed the meeting. So it, it seems as if a lot of these complaints are falling on deaf ears. And this is an issue that's not going to go away. It's only going to get worse as, as the economy gets worse, as inflation gets worse, um, as all the prices are going up. We're gonna, this is something we've got to try to figure out some better ways around 
um, ways to, to, to interact and, and try to do things better. So, uh, yeah, let's just jump into, uh, these, these interactions with the police department, public information officers. Hello, this is Jason. Jason, hi, this is uh, Kurt Barnes, Denver Police Department. Hi, Kurt. How are you doing? Thanks for turning my call. You bet. Um, so I, um, I listened to your question and, uh, the, if you're looking for our policy on, you know, specifically, uh, sex assault, uh, we have our policy is actually online and you can pull that up. And I just went through and, uh, you know, just in, entered the, uh, key term sex assault. And there's several references on how we handle, uh, sex assaults. Did, did any of them work specifically with, uh, dealing with women within the homeless population by chance? No, no. Okay. I mean, we do have a homeless, uh, we do have, you know, dealing with, uh, homeless people, uh, and, you know, and the, uh, situations that go along with that, uh, but I mean, it's not. We don't have a specific policy on that. Well, let, let me ask you this: I have a, I have a source that uh, I've been interviewing for a bit now. She's actually a friend of mine from high school back in the day, and um, she was experiencing homelessness in the uh, summer of 2019. And I was told by her um, that when she tried to report the rape, she was told by both Denver Police Department and um, Arapaho or Adams County Sheriff's officers that they really would not even take the report that because there was no home address and they, they had concerns about her showing up for, you know, witnesses, statements and such moving forward, that she was just not going to, they, they were not going to take the um, police report whatsoever. Okay. I can't speak to that, but I can speak that uh, every sex assault uh, is treated uh, you know, we have a very specific policy on that. Uh, and we also, you know, treat each and every one, uh, as if, uh, you know, what I've always said is just believe the victim. So I, like I said, I cannot, you know, speak on her circumstances. Uh, but I can say, you know, you know, at the current juncture, that's, that's the way we treat sex assaults. Okay. Um, is there a portal for core requests, uh, for any sort of uh, reporting that may have been uh, done um, around this incident um, is that is that available on the website? Uh, yes, there is core request on the website. Okay, and do you know how much about that might take to see if there was any actual records made about this incident? That I that I don't know. You're you're talking to the wrong person as far as how long it's going to take. Yeah, uh, that's a records department. Yeah, and you know to be honest with you. Uh, I know everybody's short staffed, uh, but I mean, you know, I would suggest, you know, doing your core request, uh, be as specific as possible, but I know that there are the core requests on there. Okay. All right. Well, I guess that's my next step. So, hey, so the one thing I will tell you is I know that, uh, sex assaults, uh, do, you know, uh, they're very particular on information that they do release. So, uh, just be aware that that might be an issue. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm more than anything. I don't, I don't care if they're redacted. I just want to see if there was anything actually put into the system more than anything. Okay. Yeah. 
I can totally understand that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, we have, you know, the information on there uh, for core requests, and then you can go ahead and uh, submit that. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time and uh, reaching back out to me. You bet. Thank you. So there was nothing out of the ordinary with that, um, pretty much as I expected. Uh, the question is whether or not the records were ever initially put in. So that's what I'm going to be hunting down. Here is the Adams County PIO um, talking with me today as well. Hey, Jason, this is Sergeant Sherman from Adams County Sheriff's Office. Return your call. How are you? I'm doing all right. Hey, um, good. So, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm working on a story. I've got a, um, a, a victim who's come forward with a story of um, a, a kidnapping and rape that happened in the summer of 2019. Um, this is a woman who was experiencing homelessness, um, and, and albeit she was in active addiction at the time. Um, but uh, what she's telling me, she, she went ahead and did rape kits and, and tried to report it to both Denver PD and, and your agency, and that she was told because she was homeless um, that the, the reports really would not be taken. And I just wanted to see what the, what the policy was within Adams County when it comes to situations like that and, and just kind of get a, a bearing on the story. Yeah, I mean, just in general, our policy is if there's, uh, you know, a, an outcry or a victim themselves and they're, they're reporting a crime, we take the report and then our, you know, we, our deputies on scene do what they can. And then from there, if the further investiga uh, investigation needs to happen, then that goes to our detective division and they do all the follow-up and, um, you know, talk to any witnesses or any other uh, involved parties. So us, you know, we, we don't have a policy of, you know, regardless of the living situation or financial situation of anybody, um, if there's, if there's a story of a crime and there's, you know, there's something else of relevance to it, then yeah, we, we, we take all those reports. So I'm not sure, um, what this, certain situation may have been um does she have a, a like a location or anything like that, that well it, it it tied into the community around the union station uh the young so and to for full okay. accountability and transparency this is someone who i've known since high school uh, i grew up here in, okay. in colorado and so she's a, a personal family friend her name is and it happened in the summer okay. of, uh, hold on one sec I'm, I'm trying to log in so i can try to see if we have any Sure. Um, any reports that she may have, um, she may, but I'm sorry. So, um, so her name's, um, and this ha happened in the, the summer of 2019, I believe. And again, it was, it, it, you know, she was, she was within the homeless community and, and, you know, hanging out a lot around the union street, uh, station. So obviously that's a very high crime rate area. Um, and just trying to, I'm just trying to kind of piece the story together and see what really, because I, I always know there's, there's several sides to any story. So there's more to this conversation, but it had a lot of personal details um, that I just wasn't uh, comfortable releasing. But I will say that the PIO over at Adams County was very, very helpful um, and, and really tried to help me confirm some of Katie's story. Now we were able to confirm that there, the, the, the interaction at the hospital. Um, and he stated that it, 
this would have fallen under Denver Police Department's jurisdiction that they were just supporting in the incident and that I would really have to try to dig in and and see what I can find through core requests with Denver Police Department. And that's what I'm planning on doing. I'm going to file those core requests and see what I can find. Yeah, and I mean, I know just from all my experience working the road and even being a supervisor on the road and, and working detectives, like, you know, that to me and I know for a lot of my colleagues that doesn't, uh, you know, regardless of their background or, or criminal history, that's not deserving of being a victim of a crime or any situation. So, I mean, that's, yeah. to me, that really doesn't uh, hold much bearing in the sense of, you know, we're still going to investigate and prosecute if necessary or if we can. Um, and I, I could tell you, I believe her because after the incident happens, I went down to pick her up from the Denver area. I live up in the SS Park area and just brought her to my house to have a safe place for a night. Um, and, um, you know, after she, she got out of the hospital. And um, so I, I do believe her story. And again, I, I've got, you know, I, I'm, we've, been, we've known each other since high school and I've been, uh, you know, I'm, I'm almost 50 years old now. So we've known yeah. each other for quite a while. But yeah, I'm not seeing yeah. anything where she's listed as a victim. Now I'm curious um, if our dispatch center would have um, her listed as a, you know, if they if they did a similar search, but in their system, if they had her listed as a as you know a, a caller or a victim for a call for service. Possibly, like I said, she said she 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 made two reports. One when she woke up at the hospital, and then she attempted yeah. another report a week later. She had two rape kits done. Um, and she tells a story of waking up with, uh, in a room full of officers, um, both yeah. Denver and police, or, uh, uh, Denver PD and, and sheriff's officers and trying to, to talk about what had happened with the, the drugging and kidnapping and rape. Yeah. Um, did she mention what hospital she was taken to? I believe it was Denver general, whatever Denver general is now. Or Denver health. Yeah. Cause at Denver health, they actually have deputies assigned to that hospital because that's where like a lot of their inmates would go when they sick or are sick so that would make sense that there would be deputies and denver police officers there um if there was a fresh uh, a fresh crime um because i know for us at the very least if we if we um requested a sane exam and then we're and booked that into our system we would have we would have case numbers we would have um, because even just to enter that as evidence, we'd have to associate it to a case. Like we, there would be a, a, a paper trail for sure. Right. Um, if, if, if our, if our deputies had, had done that. So it's to me with just what the little bit I'm hearing, it sounds like that's most likely uh, Denver police department with the assistance of Denver sheriffs that were, that worked there at the, um, so, at, at Denver General. so the reporting and paper trail would be with DPD. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for your help. I really do appreciate it. You're welcome. Take care. Yep. Good luck. All right. So again, that those were the uh, conversations I had with the the public information officers. Of uh, the first one was Denver Police Department. Second one was the Adams County Sheriff's Office. And I got to say again, there are parts that I took out of the uh, conversation because they had uh, sensitive information that I didn't want getting out um, <clears throat> as far as uh, identifying who who the victim is. But uh, I, I do want to just give kudos to to both PIOs for for talking to me, um, especially Adams County. Uh, that PIO really went out of his way to just 
try to help me hunt down what was happening. So the next steps are going to be that uh, the core releases, um, see what comes out of Denver first. Um, that's going to take, again, 10 to 11 weeks, possibly, maybe more. Um, and we don't know what will be released or won't be released or if there's any record at all. So the question is, you know, obviously the policies with these these two law enforcement agencies are that every um, alleged sexual assault rape victim is treated the same. And the question is, did that translate to the officers that responded, to the deputies that responded um, to when when Kay tried to make these complaints? And that's, we don't know the, those answers yet. So um, I just wanted to kind of give an introductory episode to talk about, give, give a chance for Kay to tell her story and, and what she experienced. Um, I've also reached out to the Colorado Coalition uh, on Homelessness to to see if this is something that is often reported to them uh, by the homeless community in the Denver area. If this is a an issue that is is bigger than just an isolated incident, um, I think that they'll be able to um, help uh, bring into view, uh, bring into focus a little bit more whether this is an isolated incident or something that happens. Um, you know, again, the, the relationships with the, the homeless community are, are strained at best with Denver, uh, Denver city. Uh, again, we had the city council meeting. I'll put a link into the, uh, one of the articles covering what happened when the, the city council members walked out, um, this week, uh, when there were public comments being made. Um, and it was going to be, it was over an hour of public comments, but I mean, come on folks, I mean, you have a hot button issue that's affecting a lot of people. A lot of people feel they're being, uh, victimized or not treated right. It's kind of their job as city council members to listen to that public comment and for all but one city council member to walk out and stay out on an extended break until everyone left to just wait them out. I think is fairly unexcusable. I mean, that's that's kind of what you signed up for. So um, again, we're gonna and, and there's actually whole, there's gonna be some protests that are happening Saturday that are planned in front of the uh, city county building um, uh, for the city of Denver that will be happening Saturday um, in response to ongoing issues and then what happened with the city council. So I know this story isn't SS based, and I know that. You know, the, the last episode had to deal with sexual assault and attempted murder and and kidnapping. And uh, I don't usually like to roll this way, but this is just the way the the dice rolled this week with episodes. You know, I try to balance as best I can. You know, good positive human interest stories with some of these more um, nightmare reality stories. But um, they're just both are are are. are just as important. And we need to, to have these conversations. And again, I don't know what the answers are. I don't know what happened, but I'm trying to get to the bottom of it. But this was a personal, close personal friend of mine who, who, um, says she went through this horrific nightmare experience. And I believe her, um, again, I, I, I saw evidence to it when it happened. And, uh, I think any, any woman, any person who says they were raped or sexually assaulted, we need to listen to and we need to see if we can find out whether or not that's true and not just kind of blow it off. 
All right. Well, that's going to be the episode for today. And um, I may have a weekend rant coming out this weekend. Um, again, I'm, I'm uh, Travis Mahalik, the town administrator. I was supposed to talk with him about Cora uh, requests in the, the city of Estes Park. Um, he just got back from traveling. Man, he got some like major accreditation that's really difficult to get. So he was honored at the last um, town council meeting. He's been busy. So, and this is not a pressing issue. So hopefully next week, maybe sometime we'll be able to sit down and have a conversation with him. And, uh, what else is going on? I'm, I'm graduating from the citizens police Academy here in Estes park, went through that just to kind of get a better idea of how things function within a local law enforcement agency helps me as a writer, helps me as a journalist to, to just better understand the systems that are there and I'll say it again, like, yes, I, I do deal with stories and topics with uh, law enforcement and, and kind of some accountability journalism there. But I want to say the vast majority of the people I know that are in law enforcement, the vast majority are good people, especially rural communities. I can't speak so much to urban communities because that's not my life experience uh, these days. But the people I know within local law enforcement, for for the, for the most part, for the vast majority of them, really are just good human beings doing their best with the situations that come up around them. And, um, you know, again, I don't know all the details yet with what happened uh, with Kay down in Denver, but we're getting there. We're getting a little closer. At least we now know that there was uh, a record of what happened with uh, down at a... Denver Health, um, things that substantiate her story. And, um, you know, whether it was just some outlying officers and deputies that decided not to to take these reports, we don't know. We don't know what it is yet, but hopefully we'll find out. And if anything, uh, next time a, a member of the homeless community um, is victimized and assaulted, that will be taken a little bit more um, seriously. And, and, you know, make sure that all that, that everything is filed because really I'm just looking for moving forward in, in better ways. than we've seen, you know, systems aren't perfect. People aren't perfect, but we can, we can always work towards and strive towards doing better. All right, folks. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I know it wasn't enjoyable. I, I, I thank you for listening, taking the time to listen to today's podcast. Cause it, it's not an easy one. And, um, you know, maybe we can start having some conversations and, and figuring out ways we can we can do things better. Well, I'll talk with you again soon. You've been listening to the Colorado Switchblade podcast. I'm your host, Jason Van Tatenhove, and I will talk with you again soon.